Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show with me, Lewis McParlin. Tonight we've got club and country to look at with Les Blues and Les Bleuettes in action across the last few weeks as the international fold took themselves front and centre, whether football fans liked it or not. We've also got a number of games to preview for this coming weekend, with PSG facing Lille in a key clash in terms of the title race, as well as Lorient versus Brest. As ever, I have Eric Devin and Mr Thomas Wiseman alongside me today, but let's start with the international matches, and we'll start with the senior team. We're also going to have, like I said, a little look at the youth side, because they've been playing in the European Championships recently, so we'll have a quick little look at how they've been doing. But let's start with the senior national team. France had a number of World Cup qualifiers over the last few weeks, three in total, with wins coming against Bosnia and Herzegovina, as well as Kazakhstan. Uh, However, Ukraine posed more of an issue as they held the world champions to a 1-1 draw. Eric Devin, not exactly a flawless international break with some of those scores. Not not the the, the highest of opposition to play against, and, and they didn't get all three wins, which is what France would have been aiming for, surely. Right. Yeah. No. I I, I think this was unquestionably a disappointing uh, set of matches. I think that um, you know this team still seems. I mean, I'm saying this about the World Cup winners, right? This is. This is this does seem like um, you know something something to the to the degree of nitpicking, but uh, I do think that this team doesn't really have a succession plan. I think that we saw in the match on well Wednesday yesterday um, that you know Giroud's coming on really changed the game, and I I do think that this team don't have a way to play without him yet, um, and that continues to worry me that we have this you know so-called golden generation of French talent, um, you know, coming through, we, we, you know, with all the young players you have and uh, obviously Kylian Mbappe, um, how does, you know, how does this team create an identity post-Giroud? I mean, he's a player who's 35 this year um, and there doesn't seem to be an answer to him. I mean, there are other, you know, big physical strikers um, that are in, in, in the mix for France. You know, we look at Moussa Dembele, we look at Austin Edouard, um, obviously, I know Lacazette's not quite as physical, but he does have hold-up play. Um, you know, it doesn't seem to me that, that Deschamps um, has has the tactical nous to create an alternate, um, you know, an alternate set of ideas, and it's 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 uh, you know becoming I think a bit worrying. I mean, even the match yesterday, right? I think anybody who saw that would say that you know. Whoa, you know, it was really down to Hugo Lloris that France were able to get that result, which I don't, you know, but again, Bosnia are a fine team. You know, we look at, you know, the players that they have at their disposal in terms of, of Pjanic, you know, for example, or Aiden Dzeko. But I think that, um, you know, by and large, that would have been uh, not seen as a comfortable win at all. And that it really required some heroics from Lloris. So, you know, that's, that's certainly problematic. Um, I think that this team... Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard to say that. I, I, can we really say that this team are winning despite Deschamps rather than because of him? Um, I think there may be some elements of that. 
do you think do you think he's holding back this group of players at the moment? Obviously, he's done so much with the French national team. We're not trying to criticise him too much, but it, it it doesn't seem as if he's, his team is exactly flowing at the moment, despite, like we said, the, the incredible raft of players that he's got at his disposal. Right. Is he holding them back? Um, well, I, I do think that, um, you know, certainly in... Certainly, I... I I wouldn't want to rush to judgment at this point in time, given that we, you know, we are in a season dealing with COVID that, you know, uh, Kylian Mbappe in particular is someone who, you know, he had an interview with, with RTL uh, after the match yesterday, speaking about how, you know, he was frustrated, how he's tired. Um, of course, that, you know, we have all these matches that um, it's, um, it's become frustrating for him to, you know, have this pressure put on him and uh you know he's trying to navigate a way around that um and uh you know his place within the team doesn't seem to be helped by that either so yeah we did have a, a couple of highlights i guess uh uzman dembele he got his first call sure. to the national team in a few years and he got his first international goal which is you know it kind of kills those uh those nerves i'm sure he would have had coming back into the international fold yeah, I mean, Dembele, you know, I, I know I've been harsh on him in the past. Uh, I, I do think he is a player who, you know, there is still a chance he'll come good. Um, but I, I do think that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge to see what exactly his best position is at times, um, especially within the confines of, uh, of a Deschamps team. And this is the thing we have to realize is that, you know, so much, so much of what Deschamps teams have done effectively is... Um, by getting players to perhaps, you know, put in more work um, and to sacrifice themselves. I mean, we saw that with Paul Pogba in the Euros playing as part of a midfield two, for example. We saw that, we've seen that obviously with Musa Sissoko. Uh, Adrian Rabio seems to be doing the same thing in the current iteration of the team. Um, so I think that, I think that bearing that in mind, you know, I think the question is now, um, you know, where does the team, you know, where does a player like Dembele fit into that sort of mold? Um, you know, there are, there is room, obviously, in the team for a player like a Kylian Mbappe, who can, I think, um, you know, deserve some some freedom in, ter- in terms of in terms of in terms of his positional uh, tactical responsibilities. Um, but I also think that it's a real challenge because you know you've got to you've got to balance out what excuse me what. Um, what are, you know, you can't have players who are passengers. And I think for Dembele, you know, I'm not saying he's a passenger, but I'm not saying he's not going to work and track back. But um, that's not something that's really been sort of a, you know, a part of his, um, a part of his repertoire in the past. And I think that, I think that that can prove, for me, can prove a real challenge is that you've got Giroud, who's a fairly static presence, Antoine Griezmann, you know, obviously was a hard worker at Atletico, but I, I think, you know, relishes having a little bit more freedom with the national team. Um, so where Dembele fits and all that, I think, is can be a little bit problematic. Do you think, I, I don't think this is necessarily an issue with many of the players and the, and the ability that they do have, but I've noticed over the last number of call-ups for the French national team, is it is a very similar team every time, and I get that. Deschamps, as, as we know, he, he likes his players. Kurt Zuma still getting called up, despite not playing loads for Chelsea. But do you think it's a team that maybe just every now and then needs a few more players 
bed in to kind of keep people on their toes, to keep people performing. Because, I mean, I, I look at the squad and it is a, a terrific squad in terms of the clubs that people are at and whatnot. You know, you've got Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, uh, PSG spread throughout the squad. But do you think the team would maybe benefit from just having a few guys displaced, a few guys, a couple of feathers ruffled, a few younger guys, Camavinga et al., brought into the team just to mix it up a little bit? Because it has been a very similar team for the last number of years, I've noticed. Yeah, but I mean, what you're risking with that, though, is that you then you end up with, you know, a player like, like Diawapa Makano, who, again, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that he's not going to have a place in France's team in the future, but we saw in the in in the matches that were played last fall, he's not up to that standard yet. Um, so the question, it is a valid point, but I, I don't know that, you know, Awar's had a really poor season and he's injured. Uh, Kimavenga's not had that great of a season compared to last year. I still think you could probably make a case for him being in the team, but other than Kimavenga, I mean, who... You know, I'll, I'll put it back to you. I mean, who would you see as a glaring absence in, um, if that is the tack that you'd like Deschamps to take? If I was going to look at the current team and the team that France are going with at the moment, I mean, I, I do think this French team has kind of struggled for goals. I believe they've only scored more than two in one of their last eight matches. So I, I wouldn't be averse to... I mean, I mean what has Hudson Edward done to not be in the team? He's, he's, I think he recently became the under-21's highest scorer, and he keeps ah. scoring. He's been scoring in Scotland. He's been scoring him, in Europe. Him and Franny Jeffers. <laughs> I, no, well, okay. I mean, Lewis, not to take, not to throw Scottish football under the bus, but I mean, I think, <laughs> I think the standard at, 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 at Celtic, you know, if, if we're seeing Lacazette scoring 13 goals for Arsenal this season, uh, not getting in the team. If we're seeing Moussa Dembele, who was assistant scorer for Lyon, um, not getting in the team. Uh, can you really make the case that Edward, outside Edward, uh, sorry, gets deserves a place? But does there does there not need to be a, a link between the under twenty ones and the national team? Do you not play in the under twenty ones to get into the national team? I understand there might be other guys, sure, senior we... that are above them, but you know, every now and then, I don't think it's the worst. I think it'd be a nice incentive to show guys go from the under twenty one to the French team. Not that it doesn't happen, obviously, but you know, what I mean, I just think he'd be a good example because of how well, many goals he scores. Sure, we've seen that with Jonathan Akone, we've seen that with Diopo Makano, we've seen that with Hussam Alwar, we've seen that with Eduardo Kamavinga. Um, I don't think Deschamps is necessarily averse to doing that, I just think that um, my question is, mentioning those players, mentioning Lacazette, mentioning Edouard, mentioning uh, Moussa Dembele, um, it's clear that he doesn't have a target man, a physical striker of the same quality as Olivier Giroud coming through. So the question is, how does he deal with that? And he hasn't, to me, shown that he has the tactical ability to, to suss that out yet. And that to, that, to me, is is a real question. I understand that France are you know, going to be a contender for, for the Euros come this summer. Maybe if he can stretch Giroud's international career into the future, maybe even in Qatar. But beyond that, you've, you know, once Qatar is over, you'll have Kylian Mbappe, 24. You'll have um, Eduardo Camavinga, 20. You'll have Hussam Awar, 22. Paul Pogba will still only be 29. Rafael Varane, you know, you'll have a new goalkeeper, okay, with probably with Mike Mignon. Um, but I, I, you know, so where where is that next generation coming through? How are they going to play? What's their identity? And I, I, I recognize too that we've seen with Yogi Love that, um, you know, if a if a national team manager is in a position for too long, that can become somewhat poisonous. But 
Um, I just don't see any evidence. And we've seen, you know, a lot of matches where Giroud comes off the bench or he's injured. Um, I, you know, what is, what is Deschamps' next move? And to me, that's, that's the issue. And I, you know, while he has been giving these younger players a chance, um, it's clear that there's not a striker. So how is he going to adapt the system to get the best out of Kylian Mbappe to get the best out of that? Yeah, sure, Antoine Griezmann. He's probably around for a couple more cycles if he's, what, 29? Um, so I think that, I think that that's the question that needs to be answered. And I, I don't necessarily think that I see uh, evidence for that um, on the part of Didier Deschamps at this point in time. Okay, fair enough. Uh, uh, do we have a Thomas Weissman with us? Hello. Hello, sir. Do you have any rejoinders to the, the national team chat? Not really, no. <laughs> he never does. <laughs> do you not? Do you not? I'll just make the, uh, no, no. I, I mean, do you not? Do you not watch France regularly, or not? No, not national team. Not and yeah. my national national team f- focus is usually on the African qualifiers and football and stuff like that. But I, yeah. if, it, if it was France versus England, I'd support France. Well, but France versus Scotland. <laughs> Uh, of course, France. <laughs> what was Scotland versus England? Uh, probably just Scotland out of spite. Probably. Let's go! Come on, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, let, let's move on to a, a, a quick look at how the under-21s are doing before we go into some of the club action, because they've also been uh, playing some games over the last few weeks with the international break. They've had their under-21s European Championships running. It's, it's a slightly different setup to the senior uh, European Championships that obviously goes over a summer, but this is going over a few months. They had a group stage just there, and then the knockout stage for the first round is in May, France have drawn Netherlands uh, as they got through the group stage with two wins and a loss, finishing second in Group C. Eric, if I look at some of the matches here, they did get through this round of, of the group stage, and that's fine, but they, they lost to Denmark. Like We sp- we speak so much about this golden generation that we just had with France, and now we look at and, and this team which has so many players playing at a senior level, playing in Ligue 1 and, and playing at other clubs. Uh, uh, Jules Koundé is doing fantastic in, in Spain, for example. But they have these slip-ups. Denmark are a team that, as far as I can see, going through their team quickly. I, I don't see many guys that are playing at an absolutely incredible level outside of Denmark, um, unless I'm being a bit uh, brutal about a number of them. But I don't see a lot of absolute world beaters, whereas you look at the French team and we've got Robin Fab, Bibrigar, Camara, Matteo Gunduzi, Guiri, Edouard, Lafon, Badiashili, Kunde, a terrific team. But yet they have these slip-ups to Denmark. Is, is this a criticism you would put on the, the manager, Sylvain Ripple, more than, more than anyone? I know he has had a, a number of criticisms since he has come into the France job uh, in charge of the under-21s. You know, he's he's had one other European Championships outside of this one that they're currently in, and they got knocked out in the first round by Spain. So would you say this golden generation has really excelled under his tutelage, under his time in charge? You know, it's it's tough. I think that it's been, it's been more than a bit of needs must for him in terms of injuries, in terms of promotions to the senior side. Um, so I, I, I would I'll give Ripoll a pass. Um, I think the injury to Jeffrey Adelaide, for example, um, the idea that, you know, Hussam Awar is out injured as well. He probably would have gone with the under-21s uh, for this session. Um, you know, uh, you know, you had Aurelien uh, Chouameni coming off injured. I mean, Chouameni's been fantastic for uh, Monaco this season, but he's not someone that's played much with the under-21s. Um, 
so that's a, that's a question too, is that he is, you know, it's, as we mentioned, it's a, how would you call it? A, not an audition, but it's a, it's a proving ground for the senior national team. So I think he is, you know, even though tournament success ought to be the mandate, uh, it's not to be at the cost of seeing what level players are at and what level they're, they can respond uh, to that pressure on an international level. And I think that, I think that given that, um, you know, that's something that, you know, I, I think we're right to, you know, to, to look at. I mean, Batty Ashile is still very young, for example. Adrian Trufair, his first time uh, with the under-21s uh, in that match also. They played Wesley Fofana at, at right back. That's something I probably would would take him to task for. Um, you know, given, okay, I mean, given, given I mean, yeah, again, Wesley Fofana has done, done well for Leicester this season, but let's face it. I mean, he's, you know, it's, it's I, th- I think of, uh, you know, Nicola Pawa was at, at Bordeaux. You know, that there was a he was he was used at times at left back, and I was I think I think I had the same reaction. Like, why, why, why do you have this perfectly capable, uh, you know, central defender playing as a fullback? Um, so I, I think that's sort of where I'm at with that. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's it's a mixture of things. Um, you know, he's also dealt with issues of form. I mean. Uh, you know, Jonathan Akone, I think, is someone who, you know, had been called up to the senior team, uh, but has really, fa- you know, not fallen off a cliff, but really been far from his best um, for Lille this season, uh, you know, even being dropped on occasion. Um, so I think that being the case, you know, we've got we've to really look at how, you know, what obstacles he's faced and what sorts of issues he has going forward. I mean, he has, I think... We have seen improved performances from certain players. Uh, I, I think Matteo Guendouzi, every time I look at uh, what he's done for, that, for the under-21s, I'm, I'm very impressed with him. And, you know, you know not being, I'm not an Arsenal fan, but I, you, you wish that he could have uh, stayed with, that, with the team for this season and, and tried to suss things out with um, uh, Mikel Arteta. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. I think some things are going well, some things aren't. Um, I, I think that we've had such a unique season in Liga, with, with so many younger players coming through and, and forcing, to, to be quite frank, their way into the under-21s, um, that, that Repol's hand is sort of forced. You know, you see a player like Truffer, you see a player like Chouameni, um, they don't have that level of familiarity. And I think that as much as we talk about that on a senior level, that's a factor in the under-21s too. How used to these players are, how, sorry, to what level are these players used to playing with each other? Um, and shaking that out um, makes all the difference in the world. Okay, that was a good little quick look at how the under-21s are doing at the moment. Of course, like I said, they do have that match against the Netherlands in the first knockout round of these European Championships. That is just towards the tail end of May, so we'll obviously be cheering the team on. Then, hopefully, they do go on. And go go and win it. Go go, go and show your quality. Get yourself into the national team, like we've been saying here. Uh, Okay, let's have our first look at some club football. We do have a number of very exciting matches coming up this weekend in League One. Probably the, the most important match of the weekend is PSG versus Lille. First versus second, a massive game in the title race with the teams equal on points and games, but PSG with a much better goal difference due to a, a fantastic season uh, in terms of goal scoring. They've put 67 past their opposition this season. And Thomas Wiseman, in this game, we'll be seeing the league's best attack against the league's best 
defence. Do you, do you think Lille have got the metal at the moment, have got the quality to really hold PSG, uh, to really, you know, snuff them out in this match, keep Mbappe, keep Neymar, keep Di Maria from having a bit of a field day? Um, It's difficult. I'm not I'm not as confident as I would have been because um, the, the forms, they've dropped some points here and there. Um, obviously, one was against a, a very strong Monaco side, but I think they've lost to Neem last time out. Um, but this is a this is a huge game for them, and they have sort of um, proved, well. I think in the past against PSG, they've, they've it's either been um, a, a close game. I'm pretty sure they won. I think it was five one a couple of seasons ago, uh, and. I'm not. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one to call at the moment. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how, how they come into it. And obviously, they lost against, um, PSG in the cup. That was that was like a fairly comfortable victory. So, yeah. Do do, do you think that three 0 loss mm. will be still ringing in their ears? You know, does revenge play a part coming into this game, or will they be a little bit? Oh, a little bit scared we're facing up against these guys last time we remember how it went last time out even though they did have some chances yeah perhaps so but they know that PSG can be got at um, and if they do I mean if they do set up um, I think to, to hit them on the counter which, which is what we've seen from them, from them in the past um, and just absorb absorb the, the prison pressure then they, they always have a chance and obviously we've got Yilmaz coming back from a, a great international uh, international break for him in Turkey. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is they need to channel their inner Antoine Kumbuari and do what he did to do what <laughs> other managers haven't been able to do Give this season. Give him a call. Just ask him a little bit. <laughs> well, um, can, can I just say, you know, I, I do think that, you know, I think Lille has to have the initiative here. Um, obviously they don't have the type of match that PSG have in the week playing Bayern Munich. They don't have uh, the concern of Mbappe having played three international matches. Um, they have, you know, Neymar recovering from a lengthy spell out. Marco Verratti has been definitively ruled out. Uh, you've got both Dogba. Dogba has been ruled out. Um, Alessandro Florenzi is a doubt. Um, so who, who do you play at, at right back? I, I think that there's, there's a lot of questions surrounding PSG for, mm. for this game. And I really do think that the initiative ought to be considered to be uh, Lille's for this fixture. And do you, and do you think PSG prioritised this game over the the midweek game? I think given the Lewandowski's out, they have to. Mm. Yeah. Do you share do you share that opinion, Thomas? I think I'm not sure if if PSG are confident enough to the the they prioritise the midweek game because they probably know that at some point Lil might slip up depending on how this game goes out if, if they get a draw. Out. I think sometimes um, when you get to this so I'd expect to, to when you go no sorry go on you go on uh, I think sometimes when you get to this point of the season obviously mentality plays a large part but sometimes you see the difference between some mm-hmm. teams and some teams definitely they definitely expect to win it's not a hope to win, it's an expect to win. And it's not a, you know, every manager says in, in the game, in the interview before the game, oh, you know, we expect to win, we go, we go out there and play. You know, some teams have that ingrained in their DNA. PSG, 
you know, you can say all about the finance and whatnot, but the players, they've had that ingrained in their DNA over these last few years. That arrogance, that real belief. It's like, oh no, we're going we're going away to Brest. Yeah, we'll win that. Or we're at home to Leon. Oh, we'll win that as well. Mm. They really believe that. Do you think Lille believe that? Um, I probably yeah probably probably more than that than I uh, would initially say because of the performances that they've had in the past where they've just clutched um, a win. Like I remember the game against Marseille that was a, a great example where they've just clutched um, you know three points or 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 come back with an equaliser. So I think the kind of confidence they probably bring into well they should be bringing into this game. The fact that they know they can, um, no matter what the odds, what the odds are like against them, and can bring something and and get something out of a game. Eric, PSG have definitely been showing that mentality in the last few games, haven't they? You know, PSG, like I was saying, they're a team that expect to win, and in that game against Leon, in the game against Lille, even though it wasn't a cup, they showed that, didn't they? They showed the ability in the big matches, which is, I guess, what really counts at times when you want to show your stripes when you want to show your quality yeah absolutely i i do think that they have shown a a bit of a a bit of a killer instinct um and uh you know it's it's been really impressive on their part um i think that um you know but it again it remains to be seen like even with that killer instinct um you know what what are the you know what are the circumstances surrounding this game in terms of their absences? I mean, um, you know, I, I think that if, for all that creativity that they offer, you know, what you're getting, for example, and just this is one example, you know, playing Marco Verratti as a nominal ten in that in that four two three one of the Pochettino favors, you know, yeah, okay, maybe Rafinha has more creativity, maybe Julian Draxler has more creativity, but. Are you going to get that bite and protection, uh, that dynamism, um, that that fighting spirit? Um, you know, no pun intended on on Verratti's part um, that that you miss out. Um, you know, and it, it's the same thing if we if we look at Neymar and Mbappe also perhaps not being at full strength. That's just what gives me pause. Um, yes, they have played well. Yes, they answered the bell against Lyon um, and against PSG in the Coupe de France, but. I mean, Leon were pretty poor in that match, and as, as, as much as Lille had been off the boil, I I, I don't see them um, lying down. I think that they've got uh, more about them in terms of a veteran Naus um, and Alexis Vandre, Fonch, um, and Yilmaz um, than than you know Leon really do, and I think that that's that's going to make the difference here. That. Um, yeah, Lille just don't have that distraction. I, I think that I, I just keep coming back to that. Um, you know, and I, I do, we did see, you know, in the reverse fixture was a scoreless draw. We did we did see that um, Lille certainly know how to keep PSG quiet, um, which I, I think sure, certainly under certainly should not be undersold. I think that a, a lot of their games this season, not a lot of their games, but there's enough of their games. This, there have been a lot of their games this season where they've lost and scored. I mean, you think about the loss to Nantes, the loss to Lorient, um, that come from behind win for Monaco. Um, it's not as if they win by being quiet. They that they you know they do have uh, ricks in them. They do have defensive issues with them. Uh, Abdou Diallo is a doubt. Uh, he was injured with with Senegal. Um, Idrissa Gueye has been traveling with Senegal. Um, yeah, again, 
it, it, it's there's a lot of, of uh, you know question marks surrounding this team and and their ability to get things done vis-a-vis um, -vis, you know a match coming so hot on the heels of the international break and again Lille had players traveling in a way as, as well but it's it's not to the same extent um, that we've seen um, with the capital side. So with those issues that PSG are going to be facing in this game, how, how do you see this one going, Eric Devin? Do you, th do you think Lille could pull, pull a quick one here? What's your score prediction for the match? 2-1 uh, Lille. 2-1 Lille. Thomas Wiseman, how about you? Uh, Lille for a 1-0 draw. Okay, so we're, we're, we're quite confident. Even though, even though Lille have had a couple of slip-ups, we are quite confident in their ability ahead of that match. This is interesting to see. I, I have to say, I, I mean, I love Lille. I don't, I don't want to be a bit of a cynic here, but I just think PSG have shown so much quality in their big matches recently. And I know it wasn't a full-strength team. I know it was a cup game, but that 3-0 loss, that's quite a cutting loss a few weeks ago that PSG put on Lille in the Coupe de France, and I, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to tip this one in, in, in the way of PSG quite considerably. I think it'll maybe be about 2-1-3-1, I think, for the capital side. Um, okay, let's have our last look at club football for the podcast. Uh, coming up this weekend, we have a match between Lorient and Brest. The host Lorient currently sitting in 17th, just above the relegation zone, just above Nîmes in that relegation playoff zone. Even though they are equal on points, Lorient have a slightly better goal difference just due to the enormous amount of goals that Nîmes have conceded this season. 56 in 30 games. And let's look at Brest to, to start off, though. They're currently sitting 14th last season. They also finished 14th in Ligue 1. Thomas Wiseman, how will fans look at that? You know, 14th last season, 14th this season. For a club in France that aren't of the, the aren't hitting the heights of, of, of a Lyon or a Lille or even have the financial package like Lons, for, for example, I think they'll be quite happy with that. Just another solid season, 14th. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, they've had... Last seen uh, <laughs> some of their performances was basically Gaultier Larson saving the day. Uh, it hasn't been that as much of that this season. Um, they've had to uh, they've had to rely not just on him to drag them through some games. And and do you know we, we always mention this when we talk about um, Brest and and Doglio is that they they do play really um, interesting football. And it's even surprised me that somebody like you know Jean Lucas who who was kind of maligned at, at Lyon, um, has has started to to put in some decent performances for them and they've got good players and, you know, interesting players across the pitch. Mm. Um, so, you know, 14th place, I, I, I probably expect them to climb a few places up by the end of the season, but it's, um, no, it's, it's, a, it's a good, it's a good, uh, a decent season for, for the Breton side. And they've had a, a rough little run of form as of late. One draw, two losses, a win, then two losses and a draw. Again, it's not been it's not been fantastic for Brest, but someone who has been quite fantastic this season has been Roman Favre. You know, bought from Monaco with not a lot of you know, not a lot of hype, I would say, but he has been he's been pretty terrific this season. He's, he, I think he's had nine goal contributions in, in this Brest side and he just got another call up there to the French, uh, France under-21 side. He's got to be returning to club football with a bit of a spring in his step, surely, Thomas? Yeah, he's been phenomenal. I think he's probably 
he's pr- he's definitely in the talk for sign of the season in France. Um, I can't really think of many other best players. I don't I think they signed for a what's it? Three hundred fifty grand. Three hundred fifty grand. It's not was a lot. Wow, crazy. Um, but yeah, he's been spearheading everything that's they've done right this season. Um, such a such a I don't know how to describe him really. He's quite elegant the way he plays, and and they they I don't know they just move the ball really well with the pitch with him. He can he can um, he can do that. You know, a strong running um, when he just got on the ball, or he can try and pick players out and and slot players through. So yeah, he's just been such a um, a great signing for them and a brilliant piece of business. Mm, yeah, I, I, I didn't realise, he is 22, which is, you know, a, a solid age now, he's playing professional football, but I didn't realise, this is actually just his, like, his, pretty much his first season in professional yeah. football, he was bought in the summer, and I realised he hadn't, he hadn't played, he played one match, I believe, for Monaco, started against Gangnam uh, in the league, but apart from that, oh, he's man. never really got much of an opportunity, and Eric, he's he's just taken the professional football, you know, like like water off a duck's back, as they say. He's really just taken to it so well. He's not really had many teething issues. Yeah, you know, I I think that, that that's something that we need to um, give credit to Olivier Dalolio for. Um, you know, it's that he he has gotten a, a lot out of a lot of the young players on his team. I mean, Fed is an obviously obvious example, but um, Irvin Cardona. Um, Diallo before he had left for Southampton, uh, Romain Perrault, uh, the young left back, uh, Lillian Brasse, the cent- central defender, has been impressive since he's come into the team as well. Um, yeah, it, you know, it obviously this team could be a little tighter at the back, but some injuries have been an issue with that. But I think that that by and large, um, you know, this team's this team's really impressed. I think that um, his ability to develop players has been um, exceptional. Um, uh, so I, I think that, you know, under Delia's, you know, tutelage, you know, this team are more positive uh, in terms of the football that they play. And it, it, it really gives players who like to get forward, like a Perot, like a Fev, like a Cardona, a chance to really shine. Mm. Yeah, there's a number of little Monaco, if, I don't want to say failures, because they're not failures, but guys, they didn't really hit it there. They've come to Brest and had a nice time of it, Irvin Condona as well, he's had a good wee season, uh, he was very solid last season, scored that goal that basically just got all the all the Twitter retweets when he was like, it was that incredible <laughs> volley right, his, his, his right foot was high as anything, like I, I don't really know how he did it, but they've had a good wee tactic of taking some of those Monaco players and giving them a yeah, nice little run of form, of course, of course I've yeah, about him yeah, but Kevin Doram at Mets, you know, aside from his injury. Yeah. There's there's a number the number of players that they never lack the quality. It's just they lack the opportunity. You know what I mean? And and yeah. I guess Brace have done that. Players at Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, and their their opponents in this one are gonna be Lorient. Like I said, they're currently sitting seventeenth. They're obviously fighting a completely different battle to Brest. Brest are trying to get themselves in probably into the top ten, really solidify themselves there. Lorient are just fighting to stay in the league at the moment but they are in the driving seat in terms of those other teams that are fighting below them Thomas Wiseman do you think it could be a case of this game just meaning a bit more to Lorient here obviously Brest aren't 100% safe yet but Lorient really need to start Mm -hmm. turning their draws into wins don't they they've had a number of draws and they haven't really been able to have that killer instinct get the three points out of it yeah they've struggled a little bit um because they had that big run at the start of the 
start of the year where you had um, Moffy scoring <laughs> the goals back to back in each game. But yeah, they have struggled a little bit um, recently. I mean, that Nantes game was. I mean, Lorente's goal was ridiculous with the free <laughs> kick to, to equalise for them just in the last. I think it was in the last five minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they have struggled, but I. Looking at the other teams that they're competing against. I would have said, "Oh yeah, it'll be fine." But now Neem have just come out of <laughs> just it's come out of nowhere, kind of under um, what's his name, Plonk. Plonk. Um, and they yeah, and they've started picking points. So they they definitely this is a quite a big game for for Lorient because if you look at their next few games, they've got Lens away, Marseille away, Bordeaux at home. It's 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 not a, a great run to the end of the season. Um, mm. So this is one. One they'll aim for to pick up, pick up. Uh, I think they're probably going to aim for a win on this one, surely. And Armand Lorienti, he had that <laughs> terrific free kick in that last oh, match man. against Nantes. I assume he will be put on free kicks again for this game. I don't think you'll get Terra Morphy <laughs> budging them off it. Uh, but it's funny. Sometimes teams at the bottom of the league they need guys to to come in and have a few good games, a couple like six or seven nice mm-hmm. games. Terra Morphy's yeah. been so impressive this season since he signed for Belgium, but you know he's been a bit quiet these last few weeks, and then Armand Lorienti's like, okay, don't worry, have your time, I'll, I'll absolutely ping one in the top corner, I'll have a nice little <laughs> run of form. I, I think he's had, his, go- his games have gone goal, then assist, then nothing, then two goals against Saint-Étienne. You need those guys to have a nice little run of form, and he was also someone that was involved in the France under-21 setup. So, like Fav, you know... The, He'll be a guy again returning to club football with a smile on his face, surely, Thomas. Yeah, definitely for sure. And, it, and like you said, it's sometimes when you when you're fighting relegation, you just need a a, uh, a spark of brilliance from from one of your players. So, so hopefully they'll they'll well they're, they're going to hope that he can uh, he can produce that. Hmm. And it's going to be an interesting fight between two rather talented managers here, Christophe Pellissier and Olivier Deloglio, you know, two guys that have, throughout their career, maybe been with teams that are on the lower end of the tables. They've been uh, at, you know, Deloglio with Dijon, and now he's over playing still in Ligue 1, but with, with a team towards the bottom end of the table, which is a little bit difficult. But Christophe Pellissier as well, he's so much, had so much time at Amiens, I loved him at Amiens. But they always try and play football. They always try and really punch above their weight, don't they? They're not teams that are sitting back, they're not managers rather, they have their teams just sitting on the goal line, hoping they don't lose. It could be quite an interesting one here, in, in terms of two managers that still try to play, despite the financial hamstrings they do have. Thomas. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I do have... I, I always have liked um, Daglio's teams and, and his Dijon team was, was really fun to watch. He was there for a while as well. Um, even though they had, you know, pretty pretty constraint uh, budget on them. Uh, I'm not... I'm never really... I don't, I'm not sure about Plissi. I do like him. Although, to be fair, I do respect him for his his uh, amateur roots at... Um, what's it called? Luzanac, um, which is a, a very cool story, but uh, yeah, so so two, you know, quite um, solid coaches um, battling head to head. It'll be interesting to see see how it pans out. 
Okay, let's get your score prediction for this one then, Thomas, just before we finish up. Lorian against Brest. Lorian in 17th, Brest in 14th. Lorian going to be the hosts for this one. Do you think Do you think they'll get the win? You know, they do, do really need to start putting points on the board. Yeah, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Lorient win. Lorient win. So 2-1 to Lorient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think with this game... Lorien, you know, whenever you see teams getting draws, getting a number of draws, it just shows they're not that far off the quality. They're not that far off really starting to make things turn. And that goal that we saw last time out, Armand Lorienté, terrific free kick, as much as it was many yards out, it wasn't exactly a tactical goal, it was just a fantastic hit. Sometimes those goals can be the ones that really just get the wheels turning, get people believing again. So I'm going to go for a win for Lorient as well. I think it'll be a tight one. I'll, I'll agree with you. I'm going to say 2-1 to Lorient um, uh, in this one. I think it will be a tight match, though. Uh, Okay, I'm going to wrap us up there, though. Thank you very much for listening. If you're looking for more information on all things French football in English, you can get us on the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com. That's getfootballnewsfrance.com. I was told that the getfrenchfootballnews.com uh, handle was a little bit expensive, so we went cheap. We got getfootballnewsfrance.com. Ho- hopefully, you don't mind. Um, <laughs> you, you can also find us on Twitter at GFFN. That's at GFFN on Twitter. I've been Lewis McParlin. I've been joined today by Thomas Wiseman and Eric Devin. And well, we're about to enter the final eight games of the season, the final stretch, and we're looking forward to sharing them with you, the lovely Listers. Thank you very much for listening. Bye for now.